Hello, good evening, and welcome to tonight's incredible show. We have, oh my goodness, do we have a show for you tonight. This is, this is a show. I mean, this is a show of, of the likes of which you can't even possibly imagine the show that we are about to show you right now. We, uh, we got the Genre Blast boys in the house. Hi, 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 hi. Hey, hey, hey. There's nothing, there's, it's nothing better. We, well, we have to welcome Chad. This is Chad's first time on the channel. Welcome, Chad. It is, and I'm doing it under duress. Yeah, well. Nathan bullied me into it. Good. No, I'm glad because. No, I know, I'm, no I'm, I'm glad to be here, Jeff. I love you, so <laughs> all is well, man. I love you too. Um, and congratulations. You have a, you have a new book out, right? Yes, I do. That's freaking awesome. What's it called? It is called The uh, Devil Won't Let Me Be. It is a bully re revenge movie. And I kind of, it's, I guess if you put the movie Savage Streets, New Kids, Teen Wolf, and Class of 1984, that's what you would get. That's a lot of movies. It that's is. a lot of good movies. Yes, it is. And um, Nathan, what are you currently, uh, what, what kind of pies do you have your fingers in right now at the moment? I, I, sometimes I've got my fingers in Chad's pies, and uh, <laughs> he likes it. Chad's about to blow up as the new splatterpunk horror writer kid on the block. Like, it's he's on the precipice right now. So people are figuring out that his book is, whew, boy, it's, it's illegal. And so I it's can't wait to check it out. Sounds like a mean mamma jam to me. But yeah, I'm, we're, me and Chad are writing a lot now. It's, yeah. it's easier than making movies. I mean, as far as like cost is concerned, there's still, sure. still a lot of effort. But uh, so that's kind of what we're doing. We're like Quentin Tarantino. We've retired from filmmaking and we're just oh. writing books now. <laughs> Ooh, look at you. Look at you. Um, no, no, I, I think it's, it's inspiring because I got to tell you, I want to write a book and you guys kind of have shown me that there's a template to do it from screenplays. So, yeah, it's I mean, just you just you know what? There's there's no rules to follow other than just make it interesting. You know, just your get out there. Limit and, is your imagination. That's right. Just get out there and do it. Um, and your ability to adapt uh narrative prose into internal monologue yeah that is correct yes uh yeah, yeah. that's that's it's, a um i find it's easier to start from scratch than to adapt from screenplay because you gotta like you gotta stretch it you gotta really stretch it out and add to it yeah otherwise people are gonna be like that's a screenplay like so, so you really gotta like <laughs> it's just dialogue <laughs> it's, yes. it's, it's, especially in my love i'm very self-indulgent with that but listen I digress. We've got some ground to cover. Let's yeah, get to it, okay? okay. Um, let me set the tone here. So first of all, um, the boys have already professed their love for 90s movies. 90s movies are, for me, a intoxicating melange of pop culture, the likes of which there is no other. There's something about 90s movies particularly. It just... They capture a vibe of the world akin to I what I would imagine how people kind of feel like the 50s, like nuclear family in the 50s, like everything's okay, everything's prosperous and perfect, that kind of thing. I feel like we get that again in the 90s, or at least that's how I remember the 90s to an extent. And like it's just like, I don't know if that makes any sense. It's just like this vibe. And so yeah. when I when I go back and I watch that vibe, those sensibilities. You know, every decade, every year, every movie has like, you know, a sensibility of its time. And the 90s is no exception, um, in particularly when the 90s movies uh, are basically look like they were written and produced by artificial intelligence, like Suburban Commando. Uh, <laughs> After listening to the dialogue, I will agree with you, Jeff. This is, I, this is pure yeah. craftsmanship on this Especially Bill Hogan's dialogue. Oh, my God. Just, I... They I don't just make movies like this. The mind an entire boggles. podcast on Hulk Hogan's filmography. I uh, I agree. Mr. Nanny <laughs> has to be next. I think Santa with the... muscles is on the 96 podcast coming up. So, Oh, Oh snap. <laughs> um, actually let me turn and I don't Chad, I don't know if you're a wrestling aficionado, like your partner here, but if, if so, please feel free to jump in. Can you please 
for me, because I'm not an, I mean, I know Hulk Hogan as well as any, you know, child of the 90s or person of the 90s. Can you please set the tone of what is going on for Hulk Hogan at this time, where he's coming from, how this all kind of comes to be since you know the wrestling world so well? I'm going to give that to Nathan because he okay. is the... Uh, he how is long the, do you have, Jeff? Um, you have, you have, you have three minutes and 30 seconds. No, no, just give us a, give us a grand overview, a grand overview. The height of Hulk Hogan's popularity. Um, this is getting towards the end of his big run in WWF at the time now WWE. So I would say in 1992 is when he leaves to go do like thunder and paradise, the show. And there's the whole steroid scandal in the WWF and Vince and, uh, you know, the United States takes Vince McMahon to court and all that stuff. That's all happening around this time. So this is this is I would say that this is Hulk Hogan's biggest movie outside of Rocky three. Like this was his wow. this was his star. Right. Because this was this was a big theatrical release. It was, a, you know, a decent budget. You know, as him is in a starring role. I mean, the cast look at the cast in this movie. Like, yeah. Unreal, actually, unbelievable they made an effort with this movie. This was like, this was Hulk Hogan's big movie to like, you know, like The Rock is, you know, you could see The Rock doing a movie like this, like The Tooth Fairy, or you know, it's it's a it's a, a sci-fi action comedy for families, basically. You know, this is kind of what The Rock would have done in 1991, I think. You know, so yeah, Hulk Hogan was mega popular at the time, and. So I think this was definitely their attempt to like, all right, let's do the Hulk Hogan thing now. He had some time. He was taking a little bit more time off around this time in the early 90s as opposed to the 80s where he was just like probably the most famous person on the planet in the in the mid 80s. Um, but this, you know, still popular, but a, waning just a little bit. And I think this was his chance to be like, all right, it's time to do Hollywood. Let's do some Hollywood here. Right. And uh, the results are, depending on what... <laughs> <laughs> look, look, I like this movie because I grew up on this movie, but it's, it's got a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes and on Letterboxd, it's like a 2.1. Like, that's yeah. that's bad. That's really bad. I know, I, a lot of people hate this movie, and I, I'm not going to It's a 90s movie. You can't, here's the thing about movies like this. I don't think you can hate a movie like this, like actually hate it. Like, it's not something that, takes itself serious you can only hate things that take itself seriously if it's taking itself seriously i feel like you can ha hate it oh this movie's not trying to be serious at all right and i'll be honest with you this is the first time i ever watched this movie because when it come wow it out, i just i had I, I never was a big hulk hogan fan uh undertaker yes i loved him i was amazed by him yeah and, and that's the reason i didn't watch it because it, nothing appealed to me but mm -hmm. I, i'll be honest when I did watch it, it did have, I think it, I want to say back, it, right? like it took me back to the nineties. It aged like fine wine. I think I, pre, <laughs> I think I would have appreciated it. I don't know if that's the right words. Sure. But, no, that's fine. But I appreciated it. I don't think I would have, the first time I would have watched it because I'm a little bit older than you guys. Uh, in the nineties, I was kind of in my, my late teens. So I don't think I would have appreciated it then, but now I appreciate it, you know, because it had that nostalgic feel to it. Because I remember when in the 90s, and that's actually when I was watching wrestling. That's kind of like when I got into The Undertaker and all that stuff. So I, I did appreciate it for what it was. This was right before The Undertaker won the world title for the first time. Yeah, right. I this remember was, that. Yeah. This was pretty Hogan versus The Undertaker later that year. So this was like... Oh, wow. This uh, this is really the only the Undertaker's only major film role, I think. Um, as far as I can remember, this is it. This is his only movie. <laughs> wow! And he literally yeah. never speaks except for one. Well, we'll get into that in a second. One gag. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about that. <laughs> this, we, this movie is very quotable too. I was surprised. Un unbelievably quotable. I watched it twice. What last night, and I just finished watching it again. This Holy movie is super shit. quotable. Yes, you yeah. watched it. Twice, dude. Yes. Yeah. I watched it in two sittings, but you know, the problem with these nineties movies and doing this, the reason why I even, you know, reached out 
to do this and just didn't try and do it on my own. It's because you watch these types of movies and it goes back to this is like kind of like this. This has to do with 90s movies and just like crazy, weird, quirky, but bizarre, you know, so bad they're good movies. Yeah. You need to be able to turn to someone and revel in like, did yes. we both just like this is ridiculous. Like you want to discuss the the most important part too. It's not the big strokes. It's not like the fact that he's like from outer space. Like none of that stuff matters. It's the minutia. It's like there's a sign that says like that there's like a there's like a store sign that says croissants, muffins. <laughs> uh oh. Did we lose Jeff? I think he froze up. Jeff froze up. Well, I don't know about you, but I enjoyed Suburban Commando, Chad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait for Jeff to come back. Okay. Are, we, are we on by ourselves now? Yeah, I yeah. think it's just me and you. So what did you do today, Chad? Oh. <laughs> well, I wrote some more on my, uh, my self-absorbed. I wrote on that a little bit more. Uh, sit around at my desk. I went to Taekwondo at seven o'clock. Went from that from seven to eight. Come home, relaxed, and here I am. What about you? Yeah, I did a little bit of writing today. Watched yeah. Suburban Commando again. Took the kids to swim class. They're doing swim class. Oh, cool, cool, man! Awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, usual. All that fun dad stuff. Yeah, that's summer summer dad stuff. Trying to keep them occupied. Yeah. Yeah, and it's good for you too to get out and get out from you know out of the house, be you know yeah. being crammed Absolutely. up in there all day. So yeah, that's good for you, man. I guess we lost Jeff. I guess so. I don't. I don't. Hello. I don't even know if we're online. I don't. I don't either. I don't know. Man. That really, that really sucks. I, I hate that shit. God damn it! I hate it when that happens. I'm on. I am on Wi-Fi right now. I hope that this holds out. I'm really sorry about the. Oh, no worries, man. Break. Um, I've been having Wi-Fi problems. I was trying to do a show about The Sopranos yesterday, and same, same old bullshit. In any case, let us continue. What I was asking was, what was I asking? What is? Where did I? Where did? Where did we leave off? Um, oh boy, you're asking the wrong guys. I have ADD and Chad can't remember anything. So. Okay, so uh, let me just let us let me just take us in. Let me take us into what this movie's about. We were talking about our day, so uh, while we were okay. to come back. Well, <laughs> okay, so I don't know. Maybe I was frozen and you guys were still going. So hopefully it was continuous. Whatever. In any case, any which case, let's keep the let's keep the stream going. Um. So basically this movie opens with like a crazy, crazy, like Star Wars opening. They're trying to like parody, like, you know, Star Wars. And then maybe think like, oh, they're trying to like, you know, th they're trying to make this like, this is Hulk Hogan starring in Star Wars. And I'm just like, we're just getting a real kick out of the, uh, the, the special effects and whatnot. And we're brought into this insane scene where, you know, we see that he's this guy, Shep Ramsey. He's a galactic. What is he? He's a galactic. What? He's not a bounty hunter. He's uh, he never really says what he does. Like, and that scene looks like it was shot in an office building. in a. <laughs> you know, you're, you're a kid. You don't notice this stuff. But man, not was, at all. That's a cheap looking set, man. Holy cheap as fuck. <laughs> his armor and his boots are it's all like weird. Okay, and then there's this guy. There's the bad guy. His name is General Suter. Suter, which, yeah. which I think they could have come up with a better name. That's not really intimidating. Zorbagon or something. Anything. He's a lizard man too. By the yeah. way, big reveal. Like he right, his hand cut off, and he's really a lizard human guy. And Shep is like he's just a dude. Like he could have been from Earth. Like. That was my question too. Yeah, is that he's strong? Does the, does he get his super strength from? No, he's super strong. He doesn't get it from the suit. He's just he doesn't really get it strong. from the suit. He's yeah. just a a tough guy. Who has a blood suit. or anything. He's no green yeah. blood or nothing. He's just a dude that's really strong. So I don't know. It's they um, just. I guess they just wanted it for the kids. He's hey, it's just Hulk Hogan. You know, look at him. And you know the, the general sewer. He's holding a president of this planet hostage, and the hostage takes a long gray rectangle that 
he just throws at General Suter. <laughs> just happened to have. You just know. happened to have it. He cuts off his hand. Oh, his name is deadly Hacker. credit card. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then, like, and then basically, like, like Hogan throws a grenade, doesn't rescue the president. He throws the president a grenade. Gets like, he's like being held in the air, and then he's like, right. oh, well, I guess he's dead. And then he just runs away. <laughs> Like he doesn't even try to save him. He's not even dead yet. He uses his jet boots to like escape. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a weird, it was a weird opening scene. It was super weird. Like he shows up, he's kind of a dick. And then like, totally a dick. And then he, he gets away without trying to save the president. And then afterwards he's being briefed after his mission. Right. And his, his handler is like, who is the coach, the Russian coach from the cutting edge, by the way. So really good <laughs> and uh, he was also in Game of Thrones, Roy Dotrus. And uh, he's like, hey, you know, sorry, you know, tough shit about the president. You know, if he, young Ramsey would have saved him, but whatever, it's not your fault. And I'm like, yeah, it is his fault. Like, it's he didn't totally his fault. <laughs> and then here's what's funny. Like, Sheppy's like, I want to face terrorists, galactic narcs. He wants to go on bug hunts with, with aliens, with acid Yeah. And then, and then what happens is a slight knock. Dan, he gets frustrated with his handler guy, who's like, "Hey, you should take it easy, Shep." And then he just does this ever so gently. He 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 knocks the panel of his council of his of his no, sorry. He knocks the ship, and this is what he damages. I I I I, I wrote this down. The power console requiring him to lay low and find a power source. What kind of ship is this? He needs to use his transformer to recharge until it's no higher than 0.1%. Like the mumbo jumbo, like nobody cared about what the mumbo jumbo was. They were like, it's like they did like a word jumbo of like in, like weird techno babble to say. And then they're like, and then he says, you can only, you can only charge until you're at 0.1% because anything more would be traceable and some intangible bad guys will come find you. This makes him flabbergasted that uh, he has to, you know, recharge for six weeks and he just has to re- find a random planet where he can do this recharging. And he's like really concerned about what he's going to do until his ship recharges. And that's basically the setup of this movie. It makes total sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> so. Wow. He hates Earthlings, but he doesn't understand their customs. So it's just like, depending on what the plot calls for, he either doesn't know about chocolate cake or parties, or he knows all about Earthlings and he hates them. So it's just like, he's like, where are you from? They're like, where are you from? When he gets there, he's like, I'm from France or whatever, which is just like, how would he even know that? Like, (laughs) he literally says, I hate Earthlings. And then it cuts to a funky 90s intro Music. So he's xenophobic uh, on top of just being a dick. So the, sound, the soundtrack made it very slapstick. Oh my god! Oh, the soundtrack added very to the Yes. <laughs> I mean, this is you know we we were reveling in how much we loved uh, Human uh, Gorman, Psycho Gorman. Oh yeah, that's a and great this movie. movie is so much of Psycho Gorman takes from this movie to an extent. Yeah. Like the the quirky '90s family, you know the the fish out of water intergalactic yep. warrior. Uh, it's all there. It's, it's all a, there. Yeah, and that thought came to my mind, especially at the end when he, when you had General Suter, where he turned into the right whatever the fuck creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, so, with yeah. like random nipples that. on his body. And mind you, he's triggered to turn into that creature because Christopher Lloyd grabs his nuts. <laughs> he just grabs his nuts and they goes, oh, I got to turn into an alien. <laughs> like, I fall to my knees if somebody grabs my nuts. You know, I'm, I'm out. I'm, I'm <laughs> this is a prime example of a family movie that still has like all kinds of cursing. People are getting their hands chopped off. Yep. And yeah. People are getting cru- their balls crushed. This is like. If this movie was made today, none of that would be in it. It would be like everybody had to learn a lesson and everybody has a group hug at the end. Where here it's right. just like there's none of that. Uh, Hulk Hogan takes the secretary on his on his uh ship to Banger and he leaves. Oh yeah. That was that was so okay. I have a lot to say about that secretary. 
but before I do, I want to talk about the fact that we are introduced to Christopher Lloyd. Uh, it's amazing that like Christopher overacting Lloyd, his ass off in this movie. Yeah, and such Holy a big. Sh- he's a huge star at this time. It feels so like much lower than maybe his profile to be in this movie. He's like he is Al Pacino and Nicolas Cage rolled into one in this movie. He is literally like just going for it. Like he could have yeah. literally phoned this in. Like he was on taxi. He, or something he like does. That. I mean, there at, towards the end, there's a few lines where you, he just feels like he's he's just reading whatever. He's like he's not even thinking about what he's saying, and he's just saying things. But when he's introduced into this movie, he's literally using a blowtorch on a skateboard. <laughs> He's just he's just blowtorching a skateboard for no so, fucking reason. So he's I guess he's an architect, but he's also supposed to be an engineer, like a structural yeah, like a wacky a wacky inventor, engineer, architect. But that's not really explored a lot, except for a couple scenes where he wants to go into his workshop. He's like, my shed, like, my tools. I'm gonna go bang something in my shed, like, and then you know, Shelley Duvall of all people, just right. weird casting is in this movie. Is his wife so bizarre so bizarre and she has turned his workshop into an apartment to rent right. out because they're struggling for money He's and, the puts a sign and puts a sign with an arrow that literally says apartment that away <laughs> there's no information no nope. there's no rent price the day she put it up he shows up i'm like it's, it's 1991 <laughs> there's no way they're going to rent an apartment out the same day she was very quick in how she uh, set it up. I think she done it like in one day, had it ready for Hulk Hogan. Yeah, right. That, and, yeah. By the yeah. way, the theme song being sung, I'm absolutely positive that's Hulk Hogan singing the theme song. It is. And he's, it is. And there's a okay. song about him at the, on the end credits, too. It's Ramsey. Amazing. Amazing. And there's a moment. Bad. Sorry, go ahead, Chad. What were you saying? No, I was just saying amazingly bad. There's a moment where at the beginning when Shelly Duvall, she's complaining to Christopher Lloyd that their like bills are not paid and she holds up the bills in the most so, staged. She like holds them up with both hands. What spread we like with all these bills that we got? She's that, like, that, that, look at these kids. bills. Look at that's these bills. For, that's, ki- that's for kids who don't know what that means. So like adults are going to be like, that's not how you talk to your spouse. Like, <laughs> she's like really upset. And, you know, it's so funny, too. Such a 90s dad trope from, like, movies. He is the dad at, like, a corporate job with the rolled-up plans in a tube. Like, every mm-hmm. dad had rolled-up plans in a tube in the 90s. Gotta go for the big project, you know. The kids in this movie have no bearing on the plot whatsoever. They don't the, exist. I thought they had such a big... I thought the whole family I was thought, so like, involved. They're, like, non-existent. You're not there for me, Dad, or none of that. They're barely in the movie yeah, at all. Not at all. I thought they, like, were such central characters. I, like, completely forgot. Nope. So it's it's all about Christopher Lloyd and Shelley Duvall, who was uh, getting a little sexy in this movie, too, huh? How about sexy Shelley Duvall? Yeah, that was interesting as well. And mind you, this is... Sh- a little dress on? Yes. <laughs> And, you know, it's funny, like, I think about, like, you know, Shelley Duvall, this is really sort of, like, the last time you really kind of see Shelley Duvall around. Like, I'm not really sure what she, I know she she kept acting all the way up th- to, like, you know, the year 2000, then she disappeared, and now she's reappeared, she doesn't look anything like she used to. But you could see in this movie, this is, like, the beginning of, like, that phase of her life. Like, well, she very... did that show forever, didn't she, on, like, Showtime or something? She Which show? That- she did some sort of children's show for a long time. Oh, that was the Shelley Duvall's Fairy Tales. That was in the 80s with, with Ron Perlman as Ron Perlman and Linda Hamilton as Beauty and the Beast. Hmm. I didn't, I didn't that's know. the same thing, really? Yeah, I'm pretty right. sure that's wow. the same. Shelley Duvall's, Shelley Duvall's Storytime Theater, I think it was called. I remember wow. it in The Shining and Papa. That's the... <laughs> And boy, she's a real, she's a looker in, in both of those movies. I mean, she was, she is like a really weird, she has this quirky yet like beautiful look about her, but that's starting to fade in this movie a little bit. She doesn't yeah. quite have that vibe anymore. Um, and you know, what's interesting is the, then we go to the, we go to, into the, we go to the corporate boss office and we meet the boss and that guy is in tons of movies. What's that guy's name? He's Larry Miller. Larry Miller. He's in 10 things I hate about you. He plays the dad in that. He's oh, in a he's bunch hilarious of stuff. And everything. Yeah. He's very roughness. Yeah. He was an asshole in that. Yeah. He yeah. always plays yeah. the, the asshole. But what's yeah. funny is like 
he pulls up all this info on Christopher Lloyd by simply doing a, it was that again, this is like nineties movie logic, double tap on the computer instantaneously pulls up in for like everything about Christopher Lloyd, including the fact that he is allergic to tuna. He says still allergic to tuna. Like it's going to change at all. Like he's like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, and then when he gets the blueprints, he's orgasmic over them. He's like, Oh my God, look at these recalculated specs. They're so great. And then the Japanese businessmen come in, including Mr. Zukaki. <laughs> There's Mr. Zukaki. And then like he's he's talking to them and they're like, they're like, they're so, they're so like like incensed. Cause every 90s movie always had Japanese like businessmen you know, the big project for, you know, the, the multi-conglomerate corporation in Japan, you know, that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. I just watched Rising Sun recently. And that's all that movie was about was Japanese businessmen for two hours. <laughs> it's a big thing. It was a big, big thing. And then, I don't know, do you notice this was another trope? This movie was full of tropes. The car race scene, which is obviously, you know, we see that in Better Off Dead, but I feel like that was like sort of like a mentality of like hey this is how i live on the edge i race my car at stoplights and it's you know like the the zest and machismo for life it's but, that uh, lame suburban like if you live in the suburbs you're a lame square yes and he, he's afraid to take he's a guy who's afraid to take risks he's right he's henpecked not really henpecked but he's definitely like a very passive he's given up on life he's got this suburban existence with kids and a wife and right a crappy little car and, and me, the car was a character in itself it, <laughs> it, absolutely it's just so shitty looking and and it added to how much of a nerd he was you know what i mean and absolutely it, yeah <laughs> absolutely um and you know and he always you know this is like a, a, a repeating theme though three times over we have this car race it's like a it's a whole thing and um eventually we see ramsey who's he get this there's this whole hilarious thing there's a guy ralph the dog is is uh locked in a car and the owner's like eating his lunch outside and he makes that was great yeah he makes mm -hmm. him trade places with with ralph in the car and then steals his clothes and just he, walks down the street like a fish. Ramsey out of has his priorities because he saved the dog and then he threw the cat in the air because that's all <laughs> yes. that's good for her. <laughs> I would have done the same. I don't like cats either. So I don't like that cats was either. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. There was a recurring gag there where he was going to, he's going to save this girl's cat from a tree and he, he gets it. He pulls the branch down and gets it. She's like, that's not my cat. And so he throws it in the air. Yeah, and then later it's oh, it's my cat, and but yeah. he accidentally throws her in the air <laughs> and catches her. Right at the very end. So there's a lot of recurring. This is very setup payoff, setup payoff. Yeah, save the cat kind of screenplay where you you introduce something and then you go back to it. And then you the, mi the mime is a prime example of it. There the is a mime, and he just likes to mime by himself in this like random streets. Yeah, in the middle of the night. Audience for him? Is he just practicing? He's or just miming in the street. Or what? Three I times he runs into this guy. Three times. Yeah, three he times. Doing it for no reason. Like, the movie just randomly cuts to these like wacky hijink scenes of like you know Shep Ramsey and there's this like tropical calypso whatever like do 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 like this really like you know bouncy upbeat like nineties like hey look at this fish out of water enjoying his. You he's know, stroll like, down the street. He's got like human clothes too, Earthling clothes. Like he's well, he gets those from Ralph. He's got his tank top and his. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, he he stole the yeah, guy's clothes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm just like, yeah. this guy's way too comfortable for. You know, I, I would have liked it if they had approached the angle more, where he really hates Earthlings and he doesn't like being there. But it's a good place to lay low because it's a backwater and no one's ever going right. to find him there. But they didn't really explore that too. He begrudgingly comes to accept Earthlings as. A second home or something with the with the Wilcox family, but none of that's ever really explored. It's so slapdash. Like it's partially he doesn't understand the customs, but also he doesn't like Earthlings. And he knows all about him. It depends on what the scene he's in. 
He could have, this, this, you know, I mean, to an extent, you could kind of remake this movie with The Rock today. Like, this is kind of like what Black Adam could have been in a weird kind of way, <laughs> a little bit, you know. Um, and we get to the neighborhood and there are all these random characters. Like, there are these it's tough the guys. neighborhood ever. Yeah, they're like the tough guys that are working on. The, the hot rod cars that block the driveway for, for Christopher Lloyd. And then there's the Colonel who just sits in a truck yeah. with no wheels. I love drinking. Jack Elam, who's in a ton yes, of Westerns, yeah. including once upon a time in the West. And he's in this movie. <laughs> By the way, the director of this movie, his first movie he directed was in 1961. And this was his final film in 1991. 30 year directing directing career was uh, concluded with Suburban Commando. Amazing. The guy who played General Souter is a stage actor and theater director. Oh, wow. This is like his only major film credit, and he died like right after this movie came out. I'm glad he was preserved forever in this movie. 1991, man. Wow. Um, There's, okay, there's, so going back to Shelley Duvall wanting to fuck, it's because she watches Dr. Ruth and then she's like, let's fuck. And it's super fucking random. And he's, he's like, like have, you, have you been watching baby Ruth again? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, what? You know, and, and she watched yeah. the Marshall Warfield show, which really took me back. I was like, oh my God, this is such a long time ago. Like, it, it, yeah. Yeah. She was on night court and then they, she had her own talk show after that. And I was like, yeah, I can't I believe that. That's the first time I had thought of that show in 20, 30 years. And I was like, oh, my God, that takes me back. You know, it's a really sticky kind of thing. And you know what else is sticky? Stickers. Riot stickers. Riot stickers are the sponsor of the Frumis channel. And we here, we love Riot stickers. Uh, we're doing a special deal with Riot stickers. You can get 1,000 stickers for $79. That's $0.07 cents per sticker. These stickers are uv coated they're printed on vinyl they're waterproof they're weatherproof uh you can't go wrong and we have a special deal go to uh ridestickers.com backslash from us and you can get a thousand stickers for 79 dollars. you're not going to find a better deal than that it really is a tremendous deal uh i advise everybody to go and check it out go look up the uh the competition and you will see that you will not find a better deal than that ridestickers.com backslash jeff the backslash from us let's play the quick 60 second video from less than jake we make stickers banners and buttons too posters and promo cards there's nothing we can't print for you from stage backdrops to bass drum heads we can print on shirts we can print on hats we can print All right, and we are back with you. We're talking Suburban Commando, and we were right at the part. There's this moment where he finds out that his shed has been turned into an apartment. He does something that's super 90s. He goes, Jenny! Like, at the top of his lungs, like, upset. And then when he sees that Ramsey is going to rent the apartment, he says, I don't want to rent to him because he's enormous. That's the reason. <laughs> he actually he's, says that's the reason why he doesn't want to rent to him. He's sizest too. He's a sizest. And then of course, very uh, sitcom setup here. Like this is the setup for the sitcom. Like this could have right. been the, oh, the pilot where Shep moves in. Yeah, it's kind of like Mork and Mindy, but he's like an intergalactic bounty hunter, like a comedic version of I Come in Peace, aka Dark Angel. Oh, that is a good movie. And you know, <laughs> you know what's so funny too is. He picks up, but this is like the classic, um, what I remember from Hulk Hogan movies. He picks up the kids and he holds them both in his hands. Are these yours? That's like such 
that is such like a, a Hulk Hogan thing to do. And it's also a super weird thing to do if you, you know, if you're in somebody's random house, you see two kids, you just pick them up in your hands and carry them into like, I mean, quite obviously it's their kids. So I don't know. So the, the screenwriter for this movie also co-wrote Constantine. That is really crazy. Isn't that weird? I mean, when you consider all the weird shit that's in this movie, like, and there are all these random, it's like they didn't have enough material. So they're like, okay, here's a scene where he's lifting power equipment, literally lifting it. Or here's a scene where he pulls a knife on a mailman. Or here's a scene where he throws a, uh, you know, he throws the paper back at the paper boy and, and hits him right, you know, right on the bullseye. Um, you know, I don't know. And then, like, you know, he saves the kids and, yeah, they, they, they bake them a chocolate cake and they take the picture and it's like, hey, we're, we're, we're slowly becoming a family. Yay. It's so great, you know. Um, <laughs> and, and you know what's funny, too, about the music? Every time that tropical reggae music starts, it, it like, evolves into, like, ragtime, old-time music. So it goes from being tropical, like, upbeat music to being, like, with like some weird situation that's going on. I don't know. I don't know. And no, then, you're right. It's very goofy sitcom kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. And he thinks that the mime has a force field, of course. Also bizarre. Uh, he goes to My the arcade. Funny. My kids got a laugh out of the, the mime bits and the skateboard gag. Interesting that what kids find funny versus adults in mm -hmm. in those old movies um they go into the arcade and he gets super in he gets super into the arcade game and it's just like you know it's like a really um i don't know it's like a on on the nose sort of you know gag a little bit give it up dragos give it up <laughs> right, that's what that is. And then Christopher Lloyd, he finds this is what I remember from my childhood, like watching this core memory unlocked, remembering Christopher Lloyd putting on the glove and discovering the muscle amplifier in the glove and then becoming the suburban commando for a moment. If this were an Astron Six movie, that's where the scene where he would start jerking off. Right. Right. He would start he would just start uh, using the superpowered glove to make love with the glove. Um, and you know what else? Another 90s thing, too. Bounty hunters, intergalactic bounty hunters, always have dirty faces in 90s movies. Yeah. It's like rule. If you're a bounty hunter in the 90s, or if you're like some sort of intergalactic gunslinger, you have to have a dirty face. Like, if you don't, then you're not. And in the 80s, too, in Critters. That's Well, that's what I was thinking about. I was thinking about really about in 94, Critters in Space. But yes, yeah, yeah. yes same thing. Yeah. That was such a, a thing. And then, of course, the Ghostbusters, uh, the Ghostbusters, um, uh, the thing that Egon uses shows up. The the prop from the Ghostbusters. PK meter or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they probably had that on loan from from that prop house or something. Yeah, that was pretty good. And then you have there's this whole thing where they steal a gun from Ramsey and somehow the gun gives off signatures in space and the, basically people start getting frozen and Christmas music comes on while people are fr frozen in the bank. For like, let's not, let's not steamroll over this scene too much because this is the best scene of the entire movie. <laughs> so and it's my favorite and I've rewatched this like 18 times because I love it so much. <laughs> so what's going on, Nathan? So take us through what is let happening. Let me set here. this up and then Chad, you can take it from, from here. Please. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Please. Um, so Christopher Lloyd discovers Hulk Hogan's spaceship, which is being stashed in some sort of planetarium slash observatory building. Which is called the landing pad. The landing pad, yes. So he finds his ship and finds all his men in black guns, basically, that do all kinds of weird shit, and his suit of armor. There's a girl being taken to the landing pad to be raped by two guys, like, <laughs> like full-on gang raped. And he stops them, kind of. 
at least the girl gets away. Right. He he gets shot in the suit and then he falls over because of the force of the gun because he's a wimp. And so the guys take the gun. They take a freeze ray that was on the ship. Why he has a freeze ray, I, I don't know. Because it's funny. Because the next scene needs a freeze ray. So, Precisely. So Shep finds out that uh, Christopher Lloyd fucked up. And he's like, well, we got to track my stuff. Because once the once the gun is used, once all that stuff is used, the bounty hunters are onto them. So they're like, oh, they're on Earth. So The Undertaker and Tony Longo, who's been in a ton of action movies, including martial law, uh, clue in on them. And they're like, all right, we're going to go after this guy. So they go to a bank. These two hoodlums took the freeze ray to a bank, robbed the bank, froze everybody, like 50 people in the bank, froze them all solid. It's literally just all these extras standing there as still as possible with a bunch of like white makeup on them. Right. And uh, so they, they go and get the, they, they get the stuff back. And this is, this is the reason, one of the reasons why this scene is so great is that the, the robbers attack Hulk Hogan with the freeze ray. It has no effect on him because he's drinking antifreeze. Yeah. And says, <laughs> they said, it's not working on him. He goes, antifreeze. And like, I want to know if any kids actually tried this and died from drinking antifreeze because uh, they're morons. You know what I mean? Like, that's got to be dangerous, right? Like somebody, I turned to my kid. And how, I was does like, do what antifreeze, <laughs> how does he know what antifreeze is? Uh, maybe it's a different kind of thing. Like it's it's freeze ray antifreeze. Maybe it's not car antifreeze. I guess, but it, you know, it 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 worked immediately as he was drinking it. Which I don't know if that actually is, would be a thing. But then he turns and sees that Christopher Lloyd was frozen and hit by the blast. Right. So it's one of my favorite shots. I'm going to change my profile picture to this. Christopher Lloyd frozen solid in his car, standing up. Yeah. Shep has made a hole in his car as he's driving him back to his house, and he's just. That I remember that part from the trailer when I was a kid with frozen Christopher Lloyd just rocking back and forth and through poking through his car while Hulk Hogan is driving. How he fit in that car, I have no idea, but whatever. It's a fantastic scene, and there's Christmas music playing over it because everybody's frozen. Get it? They're literally, literally what jumping from <laughs> to from from cold to frozen to Christmas to Christmas music. Chad, what were your thoughts when you were witnessing this classic scene unfold? Uh, the, the pure brilliance of it. I mean, obviously. <laughs> were you like Nathan's probably laughing at this scene right now? Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I loved it. I, I don't, I don't know how in the hell it fit in with the rest of the movie, but I mean, the frozen, all the frozen people in the in the bank. That was. I'm I'm like you. That was probably my favorite scene, and so yeah, it was it was totally over the top. Like, <laughs> and it leads to the best line in the movie. Can we all say it at the same time? After he's complaining about Shep coming to Earth and ruining his life, what does he say? One, two. I don't know what it is. I, I, I don't I know. Was frozen today. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, that was a great line. He delivered that line. So any other actor, I don't care who it was, would have just been like, "I was frozen today." What do you want from me? Christopher Lloyd goes, "Yeah, I was frozen today." He put all of his gravitas <laughs> into that line. He I'm gonna try that patient. tomorrow at work when they want me to do something. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, it's that really was that was just, that's just like an out of body experience. That whole sequence. <laughs> um, and it's immediately followed up by the bounty hunters have stolen a just married car pulled into a drive through and you have a burger guy. You have a guy who's like, he's like, a dude. Hey, dude. he's like, talk about the different burgers, man. <laughs> yeah. They like, weird so weird. And then they turn to each other. They're like, mm? Did we? We didn't even see them get that car, did we? Did, we, did I miss nope. that part? They just randomly have this There's car. There's obviously a scene they shot where they stole a car from a married couple, and they just cut it out of a 90-minute movie. Like, seriously? Like, they were not pressed for time. A 90-minute movie that has four different endings. <laughs> this movie ends four times. It's like the it's like it's like the return of the it's like the return of the king of of Hulk Hogan movies, basically. 
That's a you put that I, quote on the back of, of the box. There's a lot of choppy choppy going on in this movie where they cut out. Yeah, I want to see like Vinegar Syndrome needs to release this because they put out shitty movies, so they yeah, have to the, the Snyder the Snyder cut of of. Suburban I just want to see the deleted scenes. They don't have to do an extended cut. I just want to see what they cut out of this movie because there's that scene need, clearly uh, where the bounty hunters stole a car from a married couple. Did they kill them? I have no idea. Maybe it was too violent. Maybe that's why they cut it out. They had them. They killed this married couple and stole the car. Maybe that's why they cut it out. I don't know. I love how he goes when the bounty when he finds out that the bounty hunters are coming after him. He tells Christopher Lloyd, "It's a million to one shot of beating two guys after like destroying a whole armada in the opening scene." And by the way, we did not notate that in the opening scene, the armada is wearing the weirdest face paint. Like this weird, like black, like kiss, like face paint on them, and now it's like he's going up against two bounty hunters, and it's a million to one shot of beating them. I don't know. They're like their test of strength in this movie. This uh, is, amazing, this kid, amazing. This kid, this is a kids movie. I don't care. What, I don't care. If there's what anyone says. This is a. This is like this is a movie for ten year old boys. This it is. is. This is what this was made for. I agree. It's, I don't know. I don't remember if it's PG or PG thirteen, but it's made for ten year old boys, and I was like I eleven, PG. eleven or twelve. So this yeah. is perfect for me. You know, I loved this movie when I was a kid. So the bounty hunters show up and they meet with Hulk Hogan, and this, they're looking for Hulk Hogan and Christopher Lloyd are looking for these crystals that Hulk Hogan, uh, Christopher Lloyd's boss, has in his office, right. and these crystals just so happen to be able to power his stuff, his ship, his gear, whatever. So Christopher Lloyd's like, oh, we can go to my boss's office and go get it. So there's this big kerfuffle at, there's a big there's a big typical Hollywood office party where everybody's all dressed up and, 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 and everybody's having a party. And Shep says a weird thing where he meets the secretary and she goes, what, you don't have parties like this at where you're from? And he goes, not like this. And I'm like, what do you mean not like this? What are you talking about? Like, you don't know a party when you see one? So it's just this weird thing where he doesn't he doesn't know about culture, the Earthling culture, but he also knows about it at the same time. I, it was just this this script needed a rewrite for 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 Shep's character, and, and uh, she holds them at gunpoint. Yes, was it she just she randomly from? has a gun? She just sticks them up when they're looking for the crystals. And by the way, the boss keeps these crystals, which are part of these awards that he won. They're in an unfinished room that he uses as like a way to impress the Japanese businessmen at this party that's never explained why there's a party happening. They just show up and he's wearing a tux. Where the fuck did Shep Ramsey get a goddamn fitted tux in two like, seconds? Was, it, was Christopher Lloyd invited to the party or not? Because like his boss is like, where are the blueprints? Yeah, he like shows up and he's like glad he's like expected to see him there, and he's like, "Where are the blueprints for the thing?" And like, because he's trying to like describe the bo the boss yeah. can't explain Lloyd's blueprints. What if he didn't show up? Like, what would have happened? Would he call well, him? He, at his kept, like he was describing. He's like, he's like, buildings should have floors, one per level with some so walls. The bounty hunters show up while they're looking for the crystals, and she, the secretary, holds them at gunpoint because she sees yeah. them trying to take the crystals. I was like, how did she know where to find these guys? She's, and She's guarding them at, She's guarding them with a gun. So the bounty hunters show up, blow, the, blow open the door, and she runs away or whatever. They've all run away. And so right. they're, they do a test of strength like this was a pro wrestling match. So they Is take an iron was? bar. Hulk Hogan takes an iron bar and yeah, bends rebar. it. Yeah, to show yeah rebar to show them how strong they are. So they take it and they, no one of them takes it and bends it, and the other one takes it and unbends it to show yeah, how strong it. they are. And then Hulk Hogan, of course, takes it and turns it into a bunny rabbit, and like in the shape of a bunny rabbit. And then the music starts going. <laughs> These guys are supposed to be super scary, but they're not. And later on, you know, the only time the Undertaker speaks is. He's got like a little kid voice. He goes, "You're a dead man, Ramsey." Which yeah, is, which is funny. so random. So random. <laughs> oh, no wonder you guys don't talk. Yeah, that's what he says. Um, yeah, but can we yeah. talk about possibly the most ridiculous part of this whole movie? Absolutely, the most ridiculous part in a movie that is full of ridiculousness. The way that Hulk Hogan eventually defeats the bounty hunters is 
they he takes paper clips and he jams them into the boots of the rocket boots only after he does like a machine gun like spit spit like machine gun spitfire of of those weird brass clips that you use to put scripts together yeah, they're brads. He had a bunch of brads. I was like, what kind of office yeah. is this? Like, who's binding scripts? Yeah. It was weird. So weird. And Undertaker going through what all of the floors of the building straight up. How many floors did he go through? Yeah, like, a lot. He just crashed right <laughs> through every one of them. <laughs> so I was I was excited because we got to see an Undertaker Hulk Hogan fight a match happen in a movie for like I was like, oh, they're gonna get it on. And they did for a little while and they had a fight and then he got rid of them pretty quickly. But uh, it was nice. It was fun while it lasted. It was just nice to see that. And then we, cut back, we cut back to a scene where the boss, he's been up all night telling Godzilla. He's been doing Godzilla trivia. Of course he was, because this is a movie from the early 90s and it's super racist <laughs> towards Japanese. It's the only thing they could possibly know is Godzilla movies. No, but they don't. And they're like, this guy is fucking like annoying the shadow us. And he wears polka dotted cummerbund. His, <laughs> the, his, uh, the one Japanese, the tall Japanese businessman is funny because he, he hates Larry hates Miller him. right off the yeah. bat. And his translator is like trying to smooth it over. And she goes, he goes, I hate this guy. And the translator goes, Larry Miller goes, what did he say? And she goes, oh, he's very happy to be working with you. And she, he turns to his translator and goes, you're a coward. <laughs> that <was actually> a <laughs> that was good. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Um, eventually, when he does, okay, we need to talk a little bit about Suter in his, at the end. I mean, just the, the, uh, the scenery chewing of the actor. Uh, engaging in his final on-screen moments, both literally and figuratively, um, as he goes, I'm going to love killing you, Ramsey. Like, shooting around him, but not shooting him and taking forever. And then It's mm -hmm. like Hulk Hogan wants to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's what this movie is. He wants to be yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's what but it that is. Guy is. That guy's supposed to be Michael Ironside, and Hulk Hogan's supposed to be Arnold right. Schwarzenegger. You know right. I mean? And uh, he he eventually he figures out his weakness is the family because he like creeped through the house, and then the dad goes back to save Hulk Hogan and decides he's gonna blow up the ship, and he crashes through and then he kicks him and he grabs his nuts, causes him to turn into a creature from Black Lagoon, uh, and then he electrocutes him. Hulk Hogan electrocutes Suter, and for a brief moment, I don't know if you guys heard this. There's a brief moment where a funky music cue comes on during the electrocution. And if you, I mean, I, 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 I had to rewind it back. It was pretty hilarious. No, I didn't catch that. That's, that's pretty that's great. Some, some good listening on your part. Yeah, it was pretty great. And then so um, we got we to talk about one of the best scenes in the movie. Please. There's the whole thing. The tough guys on the, on the, on the corner of the street, they park their hot rods. That's right. Like like this, like if you're li just listening, it's like the front, like those really long needle nose hot rods. Right. Like they have two of them that they're working on in the street and they like dickheads. They park them facing each other in front of the Wilcox's driveway. So Charlie can't pull into his own driveway, which that would send me into a homicidal rage. Yeah, I'd be furious. But this, he's such a wimp. That's his character. That's his character. Arc. He's such a wimp that he just parks on the side of the street and every time he gets out of this uh, out of the car, there's like there's two teenagers in a hot rod that are always whizzing down the street. He almost gets hit by him all the time, and his son almost gets hit by it. Hulk Hogan saves him, but they're working on their hot rods, and Hulk Hogan's you know he's starting to turn towards the the Wilcox family, and they're starting to, he's they're starting to grow on him. So he's like, that's not right. So he's talking to the drunk colonel in the yard, and he goes over and lifts up the hot rods so Charlie can park in his driveway. And the other guys are like, hey, don't touch our hot rods. And and uh, Hulk Hogan's like, what are you gonna do to me? And he goes, he goes through all these. Are you gonna, are you gonna you beat me up? Are you gonna grind me into, you know, whatever walrus paste or whatever you're gonna do? And the one guy who I know has been in a ton of movies, he's very recognizable. He goes, uh, no, yeah, he's in a lot of stuff. We're gonna sue you. <laughs> oh my god, you know who that guy is? I'll tell you who that guy is. That yeah. is motherfucking Buzzsaw from The Running Man. 
Yes. He's been in a ton of stuff. What? Um, Hold on. Now I got to look this up. I'm almost positive that's Buzzsaw from The Running Man. I did not know that. He's one of those guys that was in everything. Um, Saw Running Man, if I'm right. I have a feeling. Oh, no, I'm super wrong. Oh, Oh, my God. Elizabeth Moss is in this movie. She's the little girl with the cat. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, how could I have been so wrong about that? I was—I thought I was so wrong. I thought I, I thought that was Buzzsaw. It's not Buzzsaw. Totally different guy. I would have believed you. Would have believed me too. Um, can we talk about the like the fourteen Dennis endings Berkeley. of this movie? Dennis, Dennis Berkeley, the guy. Okay. No, Dennis Berkeley. He was in Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, The Doors, yeah. No Way Out, Mask, Fletch Lives, Hollywood yeah. Homicide, Son-in-Law, Tin Cup, Father's Day. Rush, yeah. he's been in a ton of stuff. A ton of stuff. One dead or alive. He's oh one of those God. guys that you recognize in everything. Just uh, a heyday of '90s movies. Um, it's like, it's like Al Leong. Al Leong is in like every action movie in the '80s and '90s. So, so let's talk about the Return of the King endings. Like this movie just keeps ending. There's this whole drawn out scene, helicopter scene, where it seems like I, this is like an editing thing where you try to extend a scene as much as possible. So you use every conceivable line in the take and try to cut back and forth so that it just keeps extending the thing. So there's literally a moment where, like, Christopher Lloyd, he's like, okay, have a nice flight. And then he turns and he goes, aren't you going to say goodbye? And he goes, see you around. And like, it just keeps going on and on and on. And then we get this whole thing with the, with the cat. And then there's a whole thing with the skateboards. And then Christopher Lloyd. It's like everybody gets an epilogue. They had to wrap all of these gags up. All these threats <laughs> and payoffs. They all had to be paid off. Yep. And it ends with like Christopher Lloyd's like, the way that we show that his character's grown and that he takes risks, besides like just like being a badass at the end and like saving Shep, he he runs a red light and then shoots the red light with a laser gun that Shep Ramsey specifically warned him not to use because it would bring more bounty hunters back to Earth. Yeah, we didn't. And we never got Suburban Commando two with uh, Roddy I'm, Piper. That would. I'm waiting. Great. Oh, he would. He's. Oh, would that have been perfect? That's his brother. That's yeah. that's like Kemp Ramsey and Chef <laughs> Ramsey. <laughs> oh man, um, this was a treat revisiting this movie. I just I'm so glad that I did it. Really, probably haven't watched it in 25 or maybe even 30 years. I mean, a long time. And I, I never would have watched it, and unless you invited me to do this, so it was it was a hey. treat. I enjoyed it. It was yes. This is uh, my childhood right here. I, I, love, so. I, I love watching it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like again, you know, there are plenty of eighties. You know, eighties movies have their own sensibilities too, but there is just something particularly incredible about nineties movies, where you just have this, just this, this weird sort of 90s logic that just never we haven't had it before and we haven't had it since and it's just special it's um you know one of the last decades where practical effects were the norm shooting on film you know especially in action and sci-fi and you know big budget movies you still have that feel like yeah like even stuff like water world and the last action hero like it's just that was like the last great decade for like true old school Hollywood is the nineties. It's so. the pinnacle of true old school Hollywood. When you think mm-hmm. about it in that way, the pinnacle yep. of it. I mean, you get movies like Armageddon face off, like Con air, Con air, like it just go on and on and on with the majesty of 90s both universal on, soldier broken arrow I mm-hmm. mean, come on both on a independent and you know low budget level all the way up to like the biggest blockbusters it, i'm so grateful to have lived through that and witnessed it and seen it and enjoyed it shout out to new line cinema for putting out stuff like this like big shout out 
this stuff was like a staple for me for video stores. You know, going to rent Suburban Commando or you know something like uh, like I I posted about it on Facebook, like Mr. Destiny with like Jim Belushi or uh, If Looks Could Kill with Richard Grieco, which is a wild ass movie that we should absolutely do one. <laughs> I, listen, I'm definitely down to do more of this. In fact, there's you know what I've been having a craving to revisit another staple of the not actually i think it's 89 but it might as well be a 90s movie um do, did you guys ever see dream team with michael keaton oh yeah oil yeah like yeah. an updated version of one flew over the cuckoo's nest but like with michael keaton just like it's been forever though i've seen it when it first come out right it's I'm dying to revisit that. That's yeah. something I really want to revisit. Yeah. Um, team is that's a good cast. Michael yeah. Keaton and Christopher Lloyd in the same movie. Yeah. I mean, sign me up. Yeah, but stuff I, like even stuff like I mean, Bob Rose is is an expert on this. But stuff like yes, yes, like Second Sight with like Bronson Pinchot and John Larroquette, where where, where sure. Bronson Pinchot is like a fake medium and there's like solving a murder or whatever. Like those late '80s, early '90s stupid comedies. Like yeah. I love those movies. Weekend so at Bernie's too. Yes. Remember Weekend at Bernie's too. Blame I mean, it on the Weekend Bernie's. Bernie's. You know, yeah. Transylvania Six Five Thousand, um, mm. Haunted Honeymoon with Gene Wilder. Like all high, those movies. High Spirits. High, yeah, high spirits. spirits with Peter O'Toole. Right. Yep. Nothing but trouble with Chevy Chase and Demi oh, Moore. Cool. I, I love that movie. Fucking love that I, movie. It gets such a bad rap. I don't know why. It's Me either. So, it's, it's, I loved it. That movie is fascinating that they actually fucking made that movie at that yeah. time. Like, it's so weird. Uh, Dan Aykroyd has a dick nose through the yes. entire movie. Dan Aykroyd directed that movie. That's Dan Aykroyd's movie. <laughs> they were literally like, what can we get away with? Like, how, how weird can yeah. we make this movie? And they made it because of the cast. Fucking Tupac is in that movie, and the dudes from the Humpty Dance, Digital Underground, yeah, Digital yeah. Underground, and there's a machine that that like churns people up, spits out their bones, and then they turn the meat into fucking hot dogs and eat it at dinner. It's like it's like Rocky Horror Picture Show with Texas Chevy Texas Chase, yeah. yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, John Candy. Oh my God, John Candy's so good at that. Yeah. Chad, what was your go-to movies in the early '90s, like comedies? God, I, I, man, I don't even. I'd have to think back. I, I, I'd have to like look at a list. I don't know. Name, give me some of them. What about Men at Work? Yes. Oh, Men at Work. Yes, I love Men at Work. Men at Work. Um, yeah. God, like all that stuff. Dutch. Oh, yeah, with yeah I watched it work several times. And what's his name? Ed O'Neill. Ed O'Neill is in Dutch, yeah. In Dutch. Dutch was good. Yeah. Mm. You know, like Madhouse with like uh John Larroquette and Kirstie Alley or She Devil with uh Yeah Roseanne. With Roseanne. Oh, okay. What about uh do you ever see Miss Hyde? With uh Sean Young, yes. Yeah, yes. Miss Dr. Hyde. Jekyll and Miss Hyde. Yeah, Dr. Jekyll and Miss Hyde. I and also Sorry, go ahead. I was not. I, I don't know if it was in the late '80s or the early '90s. It was very underrated. It was Dudley Moore, where he was a uh, he worked for an ad agency, and he ended up in a mental institution with Daryl Hannah. What was that? Oh movie? yeah, 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 yeah. What yeah. is that name of that movie? I know what you're talking about. All these ridiculous ads about getting a blowjob in a Porsche, <laughs> and <laughs> it was. And I can't think of the name of it. Y'all, y'all remember it? Yes, uh, I, I remember exactly that the one. Movie you're talking about. I'm trying to remember the name of it. I How love King, that movie. King Ralph. Remember King Ralph? Yeah. Crazy people. It's called Crazy People. Yeah, it's Crazy People. Yes. That was one of my that. favorite comedy of whatever year it come out. I, I can't remember, but I mean that was like the, uh, one of my favorites. The Couch Trip with uh, Dan Aykroyd and. Yeah. Um, Splitting airs with Rick Moranis and Eric. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Splitting airs came out this. You know what's funny? You don't think that movie is from 1993, but it's from 1993. It's I do. I, I I used to rent the, the shit out of that movie. I've seen it like ten times. I Wait. So it. so I feel like the perfect double bill is actually King Ralph with splitting airs. Air. That's absolutely. Perfect. That's perfect. Um. Uh, yeah, dude. Once upon Just, a crime is another one with uh. Was it Richard Lewis and uh. 
the hell else was in that one? I don't think I'm Some of the goofball, like, solve a murder kind of comedies from back in the day. Um, we did a whole episode on uh, Stephen Stull's podcast thing, like, a while ago about Ed and his dead mother, <laughs> which is such a but talk about a movie that was like cut like cut up like there's so much insanity going on in that movie and like so much that's insinuated such a great weird 90s movie mm-hmm. and partially the inspiration for my shadow that i just yes wrote yeah that's a another like so. 90s underrated like underappreciated comedies that could we could, we could write a book on that like meet the, the dark Applegates. backward the dark backward you ever see meet the apple gates yeah. fucking love meet the apple gates dude <laughs> yeah. well i mean they made they actually made that movie like can you believe they actually made it it's and you know it's so crazy you would think that movie would be like a horror movie and it's like such a comedy such a dumb comedy but a funny one. oh i love it i love it so much uh ed bagley jr christina applegate i think is in that um, and then you go into like the straight to video sort of like section of things, and it just man, shit gets weird. I mean, shit gets like my mother's a step alien. No, my mother's a my stepmother's an alien. My yeah. stepmother's an alien. But then there's also um, brain donors, the, the step mother, uh, step monster as well. Step monster. That's was that the one with Betty Davis? That was like a curse. Uh, I think so. I don't know. I don't remember. Um, yeah, dude. We listen. I'm down to do another '90s movie when the time is right, when the stars align. We have to think of we'll think of a good one, yeah. and uh, the weirder the better. The yeah, weirder the better. Listen, that won't that won't be too hard, man. Because like everything in the '90s is like, especially by today's standards, is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm even rewatching The Sopranos, and I'm like, "There's so it's amazing." I'm like, "Feel like The Sopranos just happened," and it's like that was 20 years ago. Like, it's such a different vibe. It's 1999, <laughs> fucking crazy. I haven't seen The Sopranos since 2006, so it's like such a trip I, to rewatch it. I've only seen season one, and that's it. That's when I'm. I'm just finished season one, and now I've started on season two. It's definitely worth checking out. At some point, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's one of those shows that I want to. I want to sit down and read it. even though I know pretty much everything that happens because it's been spoiled for me. I still want to sure. sit down and watch it. You know, it's worth that. it. It's yeah. absolutely worth the journey. Is worth the reward. You know, Sweet. well, we're, we'll have to do this again because we will. Yeah, and look, we're right in an hour of movies. Yeah, yes, and and we did it in an hour. I feel like we discussed so much shit in an hour. I feel good about that. That's nice. Uh, I'd like to thank my guests so much for uh, joining me. They are the purveyors of the Genre Blast Film Festival as well. My my go-to film festival. I love Genre Blast. It's a really good time, especially 3 o'clock in the morning at Waffle House. The post, <laughs> the po- like Genre Blast is great, but like the post, like, like breakfast food eating after genre blast is like just as great and i live for that shit so check out genre blast for yeah. sure and oh, uh yeah we'll see you this year we'll see you this year so peace hair grease all the rest um yeah. we'll be back with another 90s movie in the future goodbye goodbye everybody thank bye. you Jen. bye night thank, thank you, you.